0: We have this this belief that the activities and the things you see make something great, but the guides themselves makes the trip unforgettable.
1: This is Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. Yo, my friend, it's Aaron here, and you have landed on episode number 23 of Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. My friend, podcasting plays a huge part in my dream life and it can do the same for you. Unleash the power of your voice and start your podcasting journey today. Head over to dramaticpodcasting.com. You can read my story and enroll in my free podcasting mini course to help you start your podcasting journey the right way. That's dramaticpodcasting.com. Notes for this episode are available at DramaticTravels.com slash E23. Today on Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs, we are joined by Ryan Connolly. Ryan is a Scotsman working and living in Iceland. He is the co-founder of a boutique travel company called Hidden Iceland that focuses on immersive travel experiences onto glaciers, behind waterfalls, and across to volcanic islands. Ryan has traveled across all seven continents over the past five years, but says he feels most at home on the ice of a glacier. Ryan's joining us today from Reykjavik, Iceland. You can find him at Hidden Iceland dot I S Ryan Connolly, huge pleasure. Welcome to dramatic travels entrepreneurs.
0: no oh, thank you very much for, for having me. It was a, a really good introduction there as well. It pretty much makes me sound like the coolest person ever. So well,
1: you Thanks just might that. be <laughs> just might be before we talk business, Ryan, cause I want to get into hidden Iceland and everything you're doing over there to build that business and what you're doing now. Take me back just for, for a minute and tell me how travel has impacted your life up to this point.
0: Uh, Well, so my previous history was uh, as an international bank manager for a a big bank. And uh, one of the reasons that I left is that I just felt like I hadn't done enough traveling. I hadn't seen the world. You know, when you get that travel bug when you're younger and you do a few things, you take your gap year. And then after a few years of me working full time, I just thought I'm not finished yet. So I thought I would take six months off and go traveling, see a few different places. Uh, And those six months turned into five years. And it was only after about a year of traveling, I thought, well, maybe I, I can set myself some goals instead of just having fun. And one of the goals was to uh, travel to all seven continents. So, uh, yeah, I ended up after a few years stepping foot on all seven continents, including Antarctica. Uh, and that basically changed my entire outlook on life. And that's uh, that's how I ended up setting up Head in Iceland. just wanted to keep the dream alive, keep keep traveling, even if it's in a, a local area like Iceland.
1: I love talking about setting and achieving goals, Ryan, whether it's personal or in business. Tell me real quickly just about those those goals and how tactical and strategic were you about setting and achieving that goal? Because that's a big, huge goal. And I'm so impressed that you made it. I'd love to hear how you did it.
0: Yeah, well, the, the hardest part is realizing that you're not just having a, a lifelong party. So you're traveling to new locations around the world, but that doesn't mean you can go out drinking every night and you can't just sit and lounge around on the beach. You know, I, mean, I had some savings from when I was working before, but the reality is if you want to travel for three, four, five years in a row, and that's that's pretty much what happened, you need to find ways to work. You need to find jobs. So there were moments where I was doing jobs that I loved to keep me going, like working as a ski guide in Austria. But there were also moments where I had to sacrifice what would have been maybe a lot more fun working in Scotland or something uh, by working on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Australia or working in a bar or cleaning toilets. And uh, each one of those little tasks I did saved up a little bit more money for me to get to the next place. So even when I was cleaning off, uh, let's just say the party the night before uh, in people's toilets, um, I always had a smile on my face because I thought this is a little bit more money to get me to South America or to get me to Antarctica. And uh, yeah, when you when you tell yourself that you want to set foot on all seven continents, you can you can take some sacrifices as you go. And I guess that's that's what got me there.
1: What was it about? setting foot on all seven continents that just really spoke to your heart and and made you willing to to do that to working on the farm and cleaning the toilets because that's that's must have had a real power over you tell me about that
0: yeah i mean the seven continents thing i guess most people have that kind of spurious belief that they would always want to do that as well but for me it was almost this single vision you know i'd left my job there was quite a, a successful career at, at the bank and for me to to leave that just to go hang around with people for a couple of months just didn't seem worthy enough. So I wanted to set myself a big challenge and going to all seven continents seemed like something that would take my entire life. But uh, when I started to research and do more and more and more and look more and more into it, I found out that the, you know, the amount of money you needed to get from place to place was actually achievable if you didn't waste all your money every, every night on on alcohol or, or going out and partying. And, uh, you know, in between you still get to swim with sharks and, uh, going on coral reefs and, and ski down slopes in the Alps. So it was a sacrifice to, to choose that challenge. I mean, I, I went to South America straight from Australia instead of just popping over to New Zealand to visit friends. But, you know, it's not exactly the, the biggest sacrifice when your reward is penguins running between your legs.
1: That is some reward. Penguins running between your legs. I haven't had that reward yet, Ryan, but with any luck, I'm going to get there. You know what? Forget about luck. Goal setting and uh, you know have that vision. I really, I really think it's cool that you brought that up specifically, not that you were just floating mm-hmm. around partying your way from city to city. And you know you had to be very tactical and strategic. But the payoff yeah. was, you know, you got all seven continents, and then eventually you were able to kind of take that inspiration and that transformational experience take it to another level and actually create a a business around this newfound passion for travel. So tell me about that journey.
0: Yeah. And so they come hand in hand, really, because, you know, my ability to work in Iceland uh, was through the fact that I had to find jobs as I traveled. So I became a ski guide in, in Austria to help me get to the next place as I traveled. So I learned how to handle the cold weather. And I worked as a, an outdoor adventure specialist in the United States, which taught me how to deal with, with large numbers of people, like customers and things, uh, and kids, uh, you know, families. Uh, and then when I lived in Australia, I was running pub quizzes every every other night. So my ability to present and talk in front of people um, was, was built at that point. So each each place I went, I learned a little bit more. And then when I finally looked to Iceland after Antarctica, uh, when I applied for a job to become a glacier guide or a glacier guide, uh i already had a lot of the skills that meant that when i walked in there they'd say okay look you've never walked on a glacier with spikes on your feet before but because you have all this experience uh we'll train you up from scratch and that's how how it all began in iceland i worked for another company i trained as a glacier guide watched avalanches fall from the mountains and uh, you know saw crevasses opening up and, and just walked on ice all day every day and in the end i decided with my friends that we would do a better job running our own company than to work for someone else.
1: Super cool. But before we move on, I want to give you a chance to offer some advice to, to anyone looking to do that sort of long-term travel where they work along the way and find jobs as mm. they travel. What are what are some taxi, tactics you use to actually uh, track down employment in these in these various towns and countries?
0: Yeah. So, the, well, there's a f- quite a few different uh, versions. One thing I will say to anyone is, If you're looking for a job when you're traveling and you Google the words, travel job location, you are not going to get that job because if it's easy for you to find it online, it's easy for everyone else to find it too. So the things that I often did is I would, I would find a location I wanted to move to and then I would go on onto the internet and, and look for specific names of companies and then I would pick up the phone and either call them or email them directly rather than looking for adverts online. Um, that For me, that was the, by far the best. In fact, when I was in Australia, I literally just turned up in a little tiny beach resort and just gave my CV to everyone in the area. And if they said, no, there's no work, then I would have moved on to the next place. the The main thing is, you know, if you think it's easy for you to find that advert, there's going to be 10,000 people applying for that same job. So try and find another way to get in touch with certain companies that you want to work for.
1: Excellent. Golden, golden advice, Ryan. I really appreciate that. Mm. So talking about starting up Hidden Iceland, you and your, and your friend decided we can do this better and we're going to start our own company. Take me back to that, those, that beginning days when you made that decision that you're going to go all in on this business.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing is that, you know, running a glacier guiding company with lots of other places that you go to in Iceland, the hardest part is getting the experience on moving ice and, and terrain that Many other people wouldn't have any experience on. So the fact that we already had that, we thought, well, okay, if we've already ticked the box for the hardest thing, and we are, you know, very passionate and knowledgeable about the areas that, that we work in already, if setting up the business side is the only thing stopping us, then why are we? Why are we not doing this? And then Diane, who is a, one of my other partners, Scott's uh, partner. Um, she is a graphic designer, and she knows how to design websites and do social media and marketing. So when the three of us all came together, we realized we all had some form of skill in each avenue of the business that we could set this up and uh, hopefully be successful. And And there we are.
1: So how much time passed from the time you had that notion that you should start a business to when you actually opened the doors and got that first customer?
0: Uh, not too long, actually. We We started the... You know the discussion about running the company in July. um We we ran through the concept stage and research stage of trying to figure out how to run day trips or multi-day trips, whether that was on glaciers or on volcanoes, behind waterfalls or or around. Um, around August time, a month later, we uh, Diane and uh, and ourselves started doing some social media uh, networking. So that's you know getting onto LinkedIn and contacting other companies doing Instagram posts every day and, and getting the, the website all up and running. and then by November we already had our first couple of customers. So not too short, not too long a time.
1: And tell me about that research process and specifically, was there any point where you were truly validating your, your, your idea or did you consider it already validated given the demand for for this side of this type of travel that was already there?
0: Uh, no, well, so we think that our products, our, our trips that we run are are very are amazing. Like we go to some cool places, we, we hike on glaciers, but the reality is in Iceland, there are many, many other companies. And when I say many, I mean like 375 other tour operators in Reykjavik alone. There's a lot of competition doing what they perceive to be the same thing that we do. Um, but the reason why we were so confident that we would succeed is because myself and scott and the other guides that we now use uh, we have this this belief that the activities and the things you see make something great but the guides themselves makes the trip unforgettable so we've got we've got the passion and we've got the the understanding that every time someone comes with us it is potentially a once-in-a-lifetime experience for them so we make sure that every trip uh, is just that for them. So we we knew that it was going to be great before we even started. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more on that making it unfor- unforgettable. I've, I was mm. talking to a woman the other day who runs tours in Croatia, and she was talking about. She described the new luxury in travel as um, experiences that money can't buy. That that is the mm. new luxury, and what she just described f- is well aligned with that. You know, there's 374 other tour groups they could go with. They go with Hidden Iceland because of that experience money can't buy. And I really, I really truly believe in that. Can you give some advice about, or first of all, tell me exactly what it is you guys do to create those unforgettable experience. And then we'll get into advice for others who are looking to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So, so I can talk about me personally, but the other guides do it in a very similar manner. Um, we, we say on our website, we run each trip as if we're taking our friends and family out around Iceland. And uh, that actually helped. when you were talking about the research earlier, like our research was when our friends and family came to visit us, we said, okay, you've only got two days in Iceland, why don't we do this, 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 and this? And that's what created those those little trips, at least in the, in the beginning. Um, but you know, my belief is that if you bring on the right guides, who have the right personality, passion, and obviously experience, then all they have to do in order to make sure that each person has the greatest trip of their life is be themselves. You know, you don't have to pretend to be super happy and jumpy. You don't have to fake a knowledge or an understanding or a passion about some other product or or thing. You just talk about what makes you happy, whether it's glaciers or volcanoes or whatever, uh, and just, you know, share that with people, get to know them. And it it sounds like it's really straightforward, but so few other companies that I'm aware of do that. It seems like basic to me, to be honest.
1: Well, tell me about some of these mistakes that you see other tour companies making so that anyone out there listening today who's thinking about starting a tour company can hopefully avoid some of those mistakes you see those other tour operators making.
0: Well, yeah, I can say it in one sentence, actually. Uh, I'll put on a voice. Uh, okay, guys, uh, if you just can be back on the bus in 40 minutes, the, the waterfall is over there. If you do that. <laughs> If you do that, then, you know, your people are literally getting what they paid for us and they've looked on the website, saw that they're going to see a waterfall, et cetera. Uh, and that's it. And they might like the waterfall, they might not, but they're not going to remember in, in a couple of years' time. But, you know, you look on TripAdvisor, you look on any, like, review sites, none of them ever say, this was the coolest thing I ever saw. They They often say, the guide's Ryan or the guide's Scott they were the thing that really made me feel much more immersed in what I'm seeing. And and I'll remember some of the stuff that they said uh, for years to come. That's the stuff we see on TripAdvisor. and Yeah. (laughs) that's the way you should run it.
1: Absolutely. And that's just a, it's just a heartwarming, heartwarming thing to hear, I'm sure uh, on Mm -hmm. your end, when you read those sorts of, those sorts of reviews on TripAdvisor. And it's, you know, it's, it's shocking in a way that that others aren't more tuned into this, that, that, that the people that the guides make the trip, like you said, that that mm. is what people are going to remember. Cause even for my travels, whether it's guided tours or not, the people are are the strongest memories, the interactions with the locals or other travelers. And, and it sounds like you were very well tuned into that possibly from your experiences traveling that you were able to kind of inject that human, that really, really human experience into a glacier and which is, is yeah. just beautiful. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And and obviously the guide is a big component of that, but also the, you know, the other people on the trip, I, we always do our best to, to chat to people as a collective, whether it was like seven or eight or 10 people in the group, we always try and encourage people to get to know each other as well. So that, you know, there's times where we'll finish a trip and I'm listening to them in the back of the, the car saying, Oh, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight? Do you want to come and join us? And it's people who were perfect strangers before they met and uh, that day and, and then they become friends. It's a really nice feeling to to hear.
1: Uh, I can imagine. And, and for you, just, just kind of day after day, week after week, to be able to be around this sort of just personal you know, human warmth all the time must just be, be a great feeling for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So t- let's talk about the, the, the actual business. So thinking mm-hmm. in terms of you're talking to someone who's considering starting starting up a tour, a tour guide company anywhere in the world, really, but you mm-hmm. need to start talking about actual making money, whether it's setting up your business and then how you set up, how you, you how you structure the, your pricing. Cause that's, that's really, really key. Can you talk about how just some of the nuts and bolts of when you got your business off the ground and settled on how much you're going to charge and what you're going to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so the, the company that we run, we, we do multiple things around the country. So coming up with pricing uh, for each of them can actually be quite difficult, I mean, the main thing is you 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 pick all the things that costs money. You add in all the, the inconsistencies that you might not be aware of, and then add maybe twenty percent, something like that, on top of that. And what what those per, that that percentage does is allow you the days when in Iceland, anyway, where the weather is so bad that you have to cancel a day because the wind might blow the vehicle off the side of the road. And that usually happens once or twice in a in a week, but sometimes it can happen 10, 12 days in a row. So when when we came up with pricing, we we covered all, all our overheads, of course. Um, we added a little bit extra, in, and then we looked at all the other companies who at least claim to do the same thing as us uh, and compare a little bit to their pricing. And because we are considered a personalized uh, company that, that offer a bit more immersion, we, we could actually play around with the price and put it up a little bit so that it, it, it didn't look like we were just trying to beat our competitors on price because we are absolutely not about the price we are we are there to give people a unique experience if people are choosing us because we're cheaper than the competitor then they've chose us for the wrong reason and uh, i think that's the hard thing to think because you know money is always uh the thing people think oh well uh, you know if they're doing it for this and we can make it even cheaper then then maybe people will choose them instead but when you're doing a once in a lifetime trip in iceland you don't necessarily care that much if something's 120 dollars instead of 100 dollars if you think that you're going to be guaranteed an amazing trip um, with the hundred and twenty dollars, so that was actually quite hard for us to begin with. But I suppose the most important—sorry, oh, were you going to say something?
1: No, I was just going to say I love that. I love that mindset that you had mm. about you know not being in a race to the bottom, so to speak, as far as pricing is concerned. Recognizing the value that you offer, and then looking at the type of clientele you want to attract. You're not trying to attract the the the, the traveler who's just looking to, for the cheapest deal. You're looking for the right type of person because you're essentially. For those t- those those days you're spending on the glacier your partners during that time and you want to attract mm-hmm. the right type of partners as opposed to just someone who's looking for that bargain basement tour that just seems like it's better for everyone and i i am curious how you developed that mindset was that something that came uh, in starting the business or a mindset that you had you brought in previously
0: uh well because I was working in the in the bank before uh, and, and Scott's actually got a background in finance as well we 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 very often saw the the companies who were always just trying to undercut their competitors when there was a slight change in, in cost for them then they had nowhere else to maneuver they had nowhere else to move i mean we we actually just dropped our prices for one of our trips because we decided that the the price we were charging was maybe slightly higher than than was necessary and because we we had that buffer in place we, we could afford to do that So yeah, if you, if you're trying to differentiate on price alone and you drop it to the bottom level, then you've got nowhere to run if something goes wrong. And I really, yeah, I really don't want to run a business like that.
1: I love the quote that says, you never run in a race to the bottom because you just might win or worse, you come in second. And (laughs) I think there's a lot to to learn out there. Um, So tell me what's, What's the biggest challenge? What was the biggest challenge in the beginning, just getting this thing off the ground? What was just a deficiency in 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 the in the management group, or what was just the biggest challenge in getting this sucker off the ground?
0: Well, I think it's probably the same with a lot of companies. It's just finding that first set of customers without spending too much money. And we uh, our first customers actually were were people that we knew personally from, well, I knew personally from traveling, and that Scott and Diane knew from traveling. We would put something on Facebook and then they would be like, Oh, I've got a friend who's doing this. And we, we find a few customers like that. Obviously that's not going to run a business, but you know, just trying to, to find ways to, to find customers without eroding your, your margin is is really the hardest thing we, we, we spent. I, just, I won't say the name of the company, but uh, we spend quite a lot of money on, uh, on an online advert uh, and in print and print actually as well we spent quite a big proportion of our initial startup capital on this big advert Expecting to get tens uh, hundreds of customers potentially or even one customer would have been enough to cover it and uh we didn't get a single um, click onto our website. We didn't get a single request for a trip from this uh, like major advert that we put in place. So the hardest part for us when we first started was trying to figure out how to market the company effectively without spending the world. And the thing that worked for us, and hopefully this will be good advice for for these kind of like boutique people trying to set up, is you need to get people, whether it's the media or online bloggers or just physically people talking about you so it takes time to build your brand and to build trust uh, and you know our TripAdvisor reviews are what show that we have built that brand at the moment but right at the very start you need to get people talking about you and we we have we've now had about 30 different companies write about us in the last maybe nine or ten months and every time one of them does that adds on a little bit of trust to us so that their trusted brand already exists becomes part of our trusted brand, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, and that big ad that you ran in the beginning that got clearly didn't get anyone talking about you, what, what did mm. you learn from that experience?
0: Well, it's, it was kind of one of those things where we, we believed that, you know, paid adverts wouldn't be our biggest way to find customers, but the opportunity that was given to us, it was a big discounted price from, you know, full page advert. Um, we thought, you know, this is too good an opportunity to miss. But once that happened, it actually helped us a lot with our costing because otherwise we may have, you know, spent a little bit less money on lots of different, you know, paid adverts. It was only, uh, it was only when that was such a massive failure that we thought, okay, we're going to have to figure out another way to do this. And that was from, you know, people talking about us.
1: Well, and there's that, those discount prices rearing their ugly head again. It's not always, Mm -hmm. it's not always what it's cracked up to be. So tell me about how you're so with the trip advisor reviews aside, because clearly that you know that social proof is absolutely huge when it comes to running uh, the, the type of tours you're running. But what other ways are you attracting new customers?
0: Yeah, well, word of mouth is is one of our one of our biggest we oh well, I, I can run through a few, but we we maybe make about twenty to thirty percent of our sales through booking agents. So other you know, companies in Iceland who who sell trips. We we invited a lot of those those people onto our, our day trips to, to experience it. Um, so that when someone comes in and says, what trip should I do? They can say, well, uh, we went on a head in Iceland trip the other day onto a glacier and it was incredible. You should do this. And, uh, that, that spring brought in a lot of sales for us. So that's helped a lot. It means we don't have to have a physical presence on the main high street as well. Um, we get some sales from Facebook and Instagram, but I would say probably only about five percent, something like that, which we thought was going to be massive. We thought our main customer base would come from there. Are these talking, are and you then, talking
1: ads, Facebook and Instagram ads?
0: Uh, no, Just Facebook okay. and well, yeah. So Facebook and Instagram ads, but also Facebook and Instagram presence. We okay. have about just close to 10,000 Instagram followers and we do get requests for trips, but we thought it might be, you know, the majority of our customers would be found through those mediums, but it really, really hasn't been the case and whether that's because of iceland or whether that's because we're not marketing on there enough or maybe we're not spending enough money on it i, I don't know but we uh, we were quite surprised early on how little impact that had on our business So the other ways that that we are finding customers is, you know, our current customers will obviously put reviews on TripAdvisor, but they'll also tell their friends and family about it. And, you know, we've got this kind of a spiral effect going on at the moment where we had a customer back in February who came on our glacier trip and they referred on a friend who ended up booking a private trip instead of a standard trip. And then they enjoyed their itself so much that their family members booked on to like a week-long private trip. And then it's still like they are, they've they now referred on other people. So, you know, we're seeing that that trends, you know, grow and grow and grow over the, or just over the last 12 months. That's that's already started to happen. It's, uh, it's interesting. And then, then finally, I guess there, there's various others, but then finally, I would say you really, really, really need to spend a lot of time on optimizing your website you know everyone already knows that but you know to make the perfect looking website and write perfect content is is, it doesn't exist you have to constantly change and reevaluate it get some experts in to look over it critique it get your customers to sit there when they're on the on their trip if they don't mind doing it to sit and read the website and tell you what they don't like about it
1: so tell me what it's like when you're going out on the glacier with these travel agents when you're trying to get the word out. What's that? How does that experience on your end differ from when you're out there with paying clients when you're really trying to impress these travel agents?
0: Yeah, so as I was saying before, you know, when when I take people onto the glacier, whether it's a travel agent, a journalist, uh, a blogger, my my friends, your customers, i all very very similar to each other. You know, the number one thing I always think is safety is first. And, and that that is really important because you're walking on a moving piece of ice where there's cur- cracks opening up, there's inside waterfalls where water's pouring down into the middle of the glacier, there's rockfall zones. And uh, it's my job to show you some amazing, cool things, but do it in as safe a manner as, as possible. So when I take a journalist or a travel agent or, or a booking agent or anyone on, that's number one. But number two is just me sharing my passion, being myself, talking about the ice, talking about climate change. To people, that you know their experience is unique, not just because they've never walked on a glacier before, but the glacier itself will transform literally within the day. It might melt and break a little bit, or it might completely crash and, and warp. Right? You, you never know. And Climate change is certainly making that uh, a very big reality for, for us in Iceland.
1: That's fascinating. And my friends out there listening, get over to Iceland, see those see those glaciers before they melt away. And Ryan's gonna Ryan's the, definitely the man to to show you around without question. Ryan, you're clearly on a great path with hidden Iceland. Lots of great things going on. Your business is doing well. You're attracting great clientele who's saying great things about you. What's so what's your biggest challenge now moving forward?
0: Yeah, I mean the, the biggest challenge that, that we have is actually trying to to meet the demands that we're currently seeing. So I said before that you know the reason why we are considered unforgettable and have such a great reputation is because our guides, the people who take you on experiences are the absolute best. Their passion, their knowledge, their personalities meet everything that you want in a in a tour guide, in a in a leader. So when we are getting this demand, you know we can't suddenly say, okay, let's hire five more staff members like they don't exist. Sometimes, we will not bring someone on who is not at the top of their game. Someone that we don't think is going to, you know, on the hard moment when the weather is that bad and you're getting ice, you know, cracking and snow, you know, hitting your face. We want that that guides to be the thing that makes you have the best experience of your life. So we we the thing we're challenged with at the moment is just finding people who uh, meet those uh, really high expectations that we have. Um, so if we do keep getting more and more popular, we're, we're not going to necessarily grow if we don't find the right people. We are bringing on new people uh, at the moment, but, uh, you know, finding someone who's a glacier guides Iceland with passion has a driving license uh, and personality, um to match uh, what we for is actually quite, quite difficult.
1: Yeah, that's a very narrow niche. so what a so mm-hmm. what kind of tactics do you use? How do you recruit for, for those positions?
0: Well, luckily because myself and Scott and Di have worked in the guiding industry for a few years now we we do know quite a lot of people who you know the number one thing we look for is the personality before absolutely anything else. you know you can learn dates and facts and figures. you can you can get your bus driving license if you go to your you know go do the test. Um but if we know people who are already good at guiding on glaciers and have the safety requirements and we know them personally, then that's uh, that's half the battle. You know, we might run out of those types of people soon enough, but um, at the moment we we have en- enough people wanting to work with us for us not to worry. We'll see how it goes in the next year or two uh, when we have to add another five or six more staff members
1: yeah I'd be curious to see how that plays out because that is it's a good problem to have but it's it seems like an incredibly challenging one but i've got no I've got nothing but confidence that you're going to get through it because you've pushed really hard through so far to this business, and you've got a solid foundation. And it sounds I'm really excited for you. Just I love talking to you and hearing about all the stuff mm-hmm. you got going on. This is one of those businesses that you just want to emulate if you're ever thinking about starting in any sort of a, a tour operation. This is a this is a good one to model yourself after. We're speaking with Ryan Connolly from Hidden Iceland, which you can find at hiddeniceland.is. Ryan, just a couple quick last questions before we say goodbye what is the best investment you've made in yourself that helped you become the business person you are today?
0: I think, um, well in terms of this business, but in terms of any business is just absolutely 100% know your products, know your business. So for me, we could as directors of the company you know bring on the guides and let them do the day-to-day but if i personally don't have my bus driving license and uh, constantly retrain myself to be able to do crevasse rescue and uh, first aid and wilderness um you know terrain survival then uh you know, like maybe we shouldn't be doing this. So my biggest you know, investment in me was just, is just the constant training, even though I'm focusing on developing the business, I'm also keeping myself at the top of my game when it comes to, to guiding. And then getting that bus driving license was one of the most expensive things I've ever done. I don't know if you've uh, ever encountered it, but having, <laughs> having to do all the training and flying back and forward from different countries is pretty expensive, but.
1: Well, I never have, but I, loved, I just love that you shared that because it 's one of those many things that sort of lies beneath the surface of mm-hmm. this you know glamorous sort of of lifestyle and this business and all this fun that you're and you certainly are having a lot of fun there 's no doubt about it and you 're changing lives through through your tours, but thinking about mm-hmm. things like bus driving licenses and the time and the money investment it, there 's a lot there 's a lot to it more than meets the eye when it comes to running a business like Hidden Iceland. All right, Ryan. Last question. I want to know who has had the biggest positive impact on your business besides you.
0: Uh, well, I have to give full credit to to Diany, Stefan's daughter. Uh, she is she's Icelandic, and she is uh, one of the other founders of the company. She uh, she has an, an eye for for design that I never ever would. She's the one that's tirelessly, constantly changed the website, developed the brand, created the logo. I put on Instagram and Facebook links every single day, and every time I say something like, "Oh, but do you think that it looks good like that?" and she gives me twelve different reasons as to why I'm wrong, and then <laughs> I find out the next day that my customers absolutely love whatever it was she changed. I was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna let let Dani um, focus on on that stuff because, yeah, my idea of branding is just put up some cool pictures, whereas hers is much much more uh, more in depth, and it's. It really has allowed us to, when people do find us online or in any other way, they find us and are impressed uh, by the look. So definitely Diane.
1: Excellent. Well, hold on to her, man. Sounds like you've got a great team over there. Keep building it. Keep growing it. Really impressed with what you're doing. We've been chatting with Ryan Connolly from Hidden Iceland. You can find him at hiddeniceland.is. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash tours, And of course, Instagram at Iceland. Ryan Connolly, huge pleasure. Thanks so much for taking some time on Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, Aaron. And, you know, taking the time to interview me is always a pleasure. I feel like like I'm famous for a second. So it's always uh, nice to share my story.
1: If you create travel content, then you know how important it is to truly connect with your audience. And podcasting is simply a phenomenal way to create those intimate connections. Podcasting lets you use the power of your voice to share your message, change people's lives, all while expanding your influence and growing your business. My friend, podcasting is a huge part of my dream life, and I want to help make it part of yours too. So if you're ready to start using the power of your voice, take that first step by going to dramaticpodcasting.com and there you're going to find everything you need to start your podcasting journey from how to create and launch your podcast to how to grow your audience and start making money. It's all there, my friend. It's at dramaticpodcasting.com.